Are you an EMDR therapist and parent who wants to make more money, have more time with your family, and get better results with your clients? Welcome to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Solo, LCSW, EMDR consultant, business coach, and mom of three kids under seven. Over the past couple of years, I realized that the grind of weekly sessions was taking a massive toll on my ability to be the kind of parent and therapist I wanted to be. So I dove headfirst into learning about intensives. I read all the books and articles and did all the trainings. Now I've transformed my schedule, my income, and my clinical outcomes by offering intensive EMDR in my practice. I want to teach you how to do this too, so you can build a practice you love and spend more quality time with your family. Tune in each week to learn how to manage what comes up for you when you're a parent who also does EMDR, how you can maximize your energy and reduce your overwhelm by offering EMDR intensives, and practical tools that will improve your clinical practice. Let's create the future template for your life as a parent and as a therapist. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the Future Template Parent Podcast. I'm Carolyn Solo, LCSW, EMDR therapist and mom of three. Um, You can probably hear from my voice that I am sick and I have been for a week and my entire family is sick and we're all holding on by a thread. But um, I am very committed to trying to record at least, well, it's going to be. 50 episodes in the first year of this podcast. So I that gives me two weeks to miss. I've missed one so far. Um, so I'm committed to showing up every week, no matter how I'm feeling, <laughs> within reason. Um, so that's why you're getting Carolyn's scratchy voice for a second week in a row. Uh, anyway, but you know, so thank you for your understanding. And I'm sure a lot of you parents out there get it. In today's episode, I want to talk about how to decide if a client is a good fit for an intensive and who is and who is not a good fit. This is a question that I get from other EMDR therapists a lot, so I felt like it was worth uh, bringing up on the podcast. So first, I'm going to talk about common concerns therapists have about a client's being a fit, what I personally think makes someone not a good fit. And finally, why almost every client can be a fit. I'm sure you knew that was coming. And when I talk about that, I'm going to refer back to the not a good fit concerns that I talk about in the first part of the episode. So let's get into it. Um, So I have definitely consulted with therapists who just aren't sure if they're going to be able to find good fit clients for intensives. Um, And of course, my response is almost always, well, almost everyone's a good fit, but where do these concerns come from, right? There's a perception that intensives are only for clients who've been through a really severe and significant trauma. And also that an intensive is best for a client who has a clearly defined traumatic theme to work on Um, or a very specific event like going through a divorce or maybe repeated miscarriages or a sexual assault. And certainly intensives can be great for these very specific events or themes But working intensively and getting through a lot of material in a short time can be a good choice for almost every client. It doesn't have to be the like be all and end all of all the therapy they ever do in their life. And that kind of leads to the second concern that I hear a lot. uh, That is the concern that clients may not, quote, get through all of their unresolved issues and symptoms in an intensive. And so offering an intensive is not appropriate. 
And I think that a lot of this comes from the therapist's own anxiety about not being able to deliver on what they think clients want from an intensive. Um, But I I don't think, you know, I think it's all about how you promote what you're doing. You're not saying this is the end of therapy for the rest of your life. Like I never over promise on what an intensive can do for a client. Um, So there's a big misconception that like intensives are meant to help a client, you know, graduate from therapy for life, but that just isn't the case. Um, But if people think that's the reality, no wonder therapists are fearful about offering intensives. That's a ton of pressure, right? And I actually think that this fear is like a subconscious defense for therapists. Like, you know, and partly the purpose of that defense is to protect them from trying something new and potentially overwhelming. And of course, if you're in that camp, I can come in to help you get over that because I believe that any EMDR therapist can effectively offer intensives. I also think, as you probably know, that intensives are the way of the future. Clients are starting to get the, the word is starting to get out that there are other ways to do therapy and clients really want this experience. So, you know, (coughs) there's a market out there. You just need to make that market know that you are offering the service. Um, So another issue that I hear about a lot, of course, is dissociation, right? That clients who dissociate are not a good fit for intensives. And as I've talked about, you know, many other times on the podcast, during basic training, we develop this fear of dissociative clients, right? Like, you know, if a client dissociates in your office, you're a failure, you've done something wrong, you've probably massively traumatized that client. Um, And maybe, you know, you shouldn't even consider hourly EMDR for a dissociative client, much less an intensive. But I have plenty of experience to the contrary, as I'm going to tell you about later. Um, And, you know, intensive looks different for what an intensive can be. looks different depending on what the individual brings in. But almost every client benefits from working in a deep, sustained, focused way. And then finally, another concern I hear about good fits for intensives um, is about Clients who want to use insurance or who are accustomed to submitting their therapy bills to their insurance for out-of-network reimbursement. Um, Most insurances, in my experience, will only reimburse for the first hour of an intensive. And so certainly cost is going to be a factor. And I've discussed the issues around cost many times before. Um, But I think that there are plenty of clients who, once they recognize the value of this, are going to choose it anyway, even if it's not something that their insurance will cover. And we're not responsible for the failings of insurance companies, right? Like I think so many therapists think that we have to be good therapists and toe the line and, and do what all the other therapists are doing and take insurance and all that stuff. We are not obligated to do things the way that the insurance companies tell us to do. And in my opinion, the way the insurance companies tell us to operate is unethical anyway. So I don't want any part of that. Um, So finally, another concern, oh, sorry, I just, I was about to repeat what I just said. (laughs) I was looking at my outline, I was about to repeat it. Guys, I'm sick, I'm kind of in that headspace, so forgive me. Let's move move on to the next point. Um, What actually rules out a client for an intensive? For me, really, just a few things, not too many things. Um, The first is the cost, frankly. For many people, the cost is just too much. They can't swing it. 
And of course, that's fine. And I would never try to convince someone to spend money that is not within their budget. And if they can't see the value, it's not up to me to convince them. I think another person who isn't a good fit is someone who's looking for a longer term relationship with a therapist and in like a really supportive capacity. Um, I am happy to do booster EMDR sessions of a couple hours, maybe once a month with a former intensive client. I do this with a lot of people, but I'm not looking to get back into the model of weekly hourly sessions. So if that's what a client is looking for, then yeah, not a good fit. Um, And I would say, that someone who is in really, really active addiction for this is for me. Okay. Like maybe is struggling to show up to the office sober. Um, that would be hard for me. I'm not expecting them to be sober. Of course not. Um, but if someone is really struggling to maintain sobriety and is, uh, like sobriety in the office, I guess I should say, um, that would be hard for me. Uh, and that's, due to my comfort level and way of working. You know, a therapist who's working in an inpatient detox setting who's very experienced with addiction might feel differently. They'd be able to work with a client who's in it, who's really struggling with addiction. Obviously, they're not going to be um, using an inpatient, but it's, it's more just like, more generally what I'm saying is if it's a client who is really far out of my niche and I don't consider addiction to fall into my niche um, and the presenting primary issue is something that I know others specialize in, who are also EMDR therapists, I'm going to refer this person to them, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a good fit for an intensive, just that they're not a good fit for me, right? So as you can see, in general, I don't think that there are many people who are not a good fit. And that's, you know, the message I think I've been giving all along. But let me talk more directly about um, the questions I've gotten about therapist from therapists about who are is or who is not a good fit for an intensive. And I'm going to talk about some examples from my clinical work as relevant, but of course I'm also going to, um, you know, these are anonymous and composite case examples to protect the clients. So um, the first objection I often hear is that intensives are only for, you know, someone who has a big DT trauma that's like very defined and thematic and, you know, While I've certainly done many intensives of this kind, I also think that intensives can be great for more nebulous themes, like a parent who is experiencing a lot of reactivity to their child, or a parent who's losing their temper a lot, that sort of thing. Of course, as EMDR therapists, we know that there's so much more going on than just in the present. The reason that the client is reactive in the way that they are has deep roots in their own attachment history, of course. And it's not helped by the fact that we live in a society that is not supportive of parents in so many ways. But still, we're not going to solve any of that in 15 hours of therapy, right? But we can reduce symptoms. We can make progress. We can show clients that healing can happen more rapidly than in a year or more of weekly therapy. Um, So I worked with a client who had has a child who has been through a lot of trauma the child has and is in and out of a variety of facilities. And this has been really hard for my client. My client has is really getting burned out, basically. And so obviously, we're not going to solve the fact that these things have happened to this person's child. We're not going to make, um, you know, the grief and the loss go away about what has happened to their relationship. But what we were able to do was decrease the client's reactivity to, you know, the next thing coming up constantly for her child and help her set some better boundaries for herself. 
That's what we accomplished in the intensive. The issues are still there. She's still going to be going through it with her child, but her reactivity is reduced. So that's kind of an example of like, it wasn't a big T trauma necessarily. I mean, this experience has been very difficult for her and it's not over yet, but what can we do about how she is experiencing it? Even, you know, so that's one example. Um, so another thing I talked about a lot, or I want to talk about, and I do talk about a lot, is how can intensive be useful for a dissociative client? And I think that a lot of us would instantly feel like this is counterintuitive, like, oh, this is the last person I should have in my office for several hours. Um, you know, they're going to be constantly dissociating. They're going to be so traumatized, like they're never going to return to EMDR. Terrible, terrible, terrible. You're a bad person. You're a bad therapist. You know, I don't believe that to be true. Um, I will say that if you feel like you're out of your element with a client who's very dissociative, there are people to refer out to. I think it's important to feel confident in your skill set. And if you want to learn more about how I work with dissociative clients kind of in a more expansive way, I think it's like episodes 14, 16, and 17, I believe, of the podcast talk a lot about dissociation and some of my um, preferred techniques for working with dissociative clients. And I think that anybody can learn those skills. And it's important to know that working with a dissociative client does require an expanded skill set. <coughs> Excuse me. So what can you do in an intensive with a dissociative client? You can spend a lot of time really getting to know their parts, really getting to know their system and helping them understand their system. Um, you know, you guys can really map them out in a really comprehensive way. And that could take one session as opposed to 15 minute chunks here and there for weeks and weeks and weeks, you can have a really immersive experience with the parts of self. You can do a lot of parts work in several four hour sessions. Um, I have a client with DID really, you know, pretty far on the far end of the spectrum of DID kind of like, and I am not pathologizing this person at all because it makes sense given her history, but she has kind of like a textbook version of DID. Like, Everything that's in the DSM-5, this client experiences sort of in the most extreme way because of her history, which is pretty, um, pretty horrifying, frankly. Um, I have immense respect for this person, and I am, like, just in awe constantly of how she manages to move through the world. And she's, you know, she's experienced things that no human being should have to go through. But anyway, so just trying to give you some context for the kind of client I'm talking about where you actually can do this work. She and I meet every other week for three hours. That's how we work. And we do a ton of parts work during that time. We also spend some time really practicing grounding. And, you know, those things go together, of course, when she's dissociating in session, which is intentional. Like I intentionally have her connect with a different part of self so that we can do work with those parts. And then we have the opportunity like in vivo to practice grounding instead of my saying, this is a grounding technique. Try it this week and let me know how it goes. Right. Um, and I, I would say that parts work is also incredibly uh, rich, fertile ground for figuring out memories to target if, and when you get to phase four of EMDR with, with these clients. Um, and also I think that parts work in and of itself is even though maybe you would think it's like technically kind of a phase two, a, a preparation phase uh, intervention. It's not. You can use it throughout, I think, throughout the phases of EMDR. But 
um, often you're you're hearing the story from a part their story of, of what they've been through and no one else has ever listened compassionately to that story. So that in and of itself is a form of trauma processing. So, you know, it's happening even if it doesn't feel like, Oh, I'm not doing BLS or, or whatever. Um, let's see. What else? Um, yeah, of course. Like, like I said, I think another important thing is just this opportunity to practice grounding and mindfulness techniques in a really, really immersive way. And you're also helping this client understand what it's like to build a secure attachment in a very, very um, deep way, in a very lasting and maybe lasting isn't the right word, but in a very, I keep saying immersive, but I think that's a good adjective, in a very immersive way. Um, You're allowing enough time and space for them to really build trust with you, which is something that dissociative clients often have never had the chance to do right. Like off some of some dissociative clients I've worked with have never known a trusted adult in their life. And so just the capacity that that amount of time of an intensive gives to develop that trust is just so, and that attachment, that secure attachment, that safety is so valuable. And, you know, those skills that you build in a long session with a client relationally are going to translate to their relationships outside of your office. Um, and you, the intensive can kind of be like this crucible where you're seeing this stuff happen in front of you. Um, and of course, another important thing is with a dissociative client, you want to make sure you leave ample time to reground them before you leave your office. And for some dissociative clients, um, that can take 20 minutes, that can take 30 minutes, depending on, you know, what's going on. And that can feel like there's incredible time pressure, um, if it's a 50 minute session, right? Like, oh my gosh, I've, I'm working with this part and we only have 20 minutes left in the session. We've, I've only talked to this part for 10 minutes, but I better start regrounding them. I can talk to parts for 30, 40 minutes, an hour, more than that, um, and still have plenty of time to reground the client and off and then have some debrief time with the client when they return to kind of their adult self. And again, that all takes time. Um, and sometimes when they'll in their, in your office, they're going to have a flashback, which is completely normal and part of the process. Um, and remember that happens to them all the time in their real life, right outside of your office. So I know we can be fearful of that, but they live that way. So they can survive it. So can you, but you can show them ways to survive it that are more functional and adaptive by doing that together in your office. Um, Yeah, and you can also normalize that process for them a little bit because there's often with dissociative clients, they feel a ton of shame about having flashbacks about what, like I have a client who when she hears sort of like a deep male voice, and of course that's triggering for her for a variety of reasons, she does often switch to a younger child part and often that ends up with her dropping things, breaking things. She breaks dishes constantly and the adult part of her doesn't remember how it's happened And she feels a ton of shame about it, but it's usually because she's having a flashback that's triggered by something. And so, you know, when she kind of learned that, it did decrease a little bit of the shame for her. I mean, it's still really hard. And sometimes she jokingly says to me, you know, the amount of money I spent on dishes. And I said, maybe it's time to do paper plates, you know. But the point is, it's psychoeducation. It can reduce stigma. And you can feel like you can do all of that in a four-hour session. You're not like, oh, I only have time to do this one thing, you know. And then last point, you know, regarding not getting reimbursed by insurance, right? And worrying about that being a barrier um, and making clients not a good fit. 
if someone is in, interested in the intensive approach and you think it could be a good fit, there are so many ways to talk about the cost in ways that make it make sense. Um, you know, you've probably heard, if you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard me use sort of like the therapy fast pass analogy. You know, you get six months of therapy in two weeks, it's more bang for your buck, all of that. And I tend to find that if people are interested in the model, this makes sense to them, right? And, you know, I'm just very upfront about the cost and it's on them to decide, right? You know, if they can't make it work, they can't make it work and that's okay. And sometimes somebody can make it work, even if we're starting to think, you know, if even if we have the belief that it won't, they won't be able to, like, we don't get to make that decision for them. We shouldn't. That's like kind of, you know, we don't want to sort of collude with that kind of codependency that, you know, this won't work. We have to protect them by not saying it. You know, let's present the option, explain why it might make sense clinically and let them decide. So quick example um, I had a client this was like over a year ago, I think, who called me earlier, early in the year, and we talked about an intensive, and she was like, oh, I don't know, that's a lot of money. She had really severe postpartum depression. I said, hey, you know, that's fine. Like, I'm glad we had a chance to connect, you know, take good care. Called me back in May and said, I'm ready to do this. And she said, I decided to do this instead of Botox. I was like, okay, great. You know, no judgment there. But like, I just think that that shows like she really spent time weighing what this could mean for her and the value. And she's someone who said to me, you saved my life. And, you know, not to pat myself on the back. I mean, I just think this speaks to the power of EMDR and the power of the intensive. And we got through this stuff in, you know, a couple of weeks and her relationships with her children, with her partner, with her family, just massively improved. And so it was worth it to her, but she needed some time to really process the cost. And she did. And she decided to do it. And I, it wasn't like I was continually reaching out to her during that time being like, hey, you want to do this? I'm still here. I presented the case for it. She spent five months thinking about it and then decided she was ready. So that is always a possibility. And just providing the education to someone that this is something that they can do is important. Let them make the decision, but don't keep it from them because you're afraid that they can't afford it. Um, all right. So today we talked about who is and who is not a good intensive candidate and why I think almost anyone can be an intensive candidate. I hope this helped you question some of your own assumptions about who might benefit from an intensive and has helped you be a little bit less afraid of bringing up this possibility with clients, with new clients, with current clients. Next week, a fun episode, I'm going to talk in more depth about a few interweaves that I love to use ones that maybe I haven't talked about too much on the podcast yet. So tune in for that. And as I always say, there are many ways to work with me. If you check out my website, www.futuretemplateparent.com, you can download my free guide. If you sign up for my email list, you can get my free eight-page guide to implementing intensives. Um, you can reach out to work with me on, with my VIP day package, which is getting you up and running with intensives in a single day. And I like to tell people that you make back your investment on that when you book your first intensive because the cost of the program is significantly less than what you would make from an intensive. And you also get hours towards certification if you're still working on your EMDR certification. So some of the ways you can work with me. Um, also, please follow me on Instagram at Future Template Parent. And I can't wait to connect next week. As always, I'm so grateful for all of you who are listening, who are finding these podcasts to be helpful and supportive. 
I'm really enjoying putting this information out there. And I'd love to hear from any of you about topics that you would like me to talk about or any kind of feedback. So please feel free to reach out to me and let me know how the podcast is landing with you and what's been helpful. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I hope you've learned something that can help you move from feeling overwhelmed to energized about your practice and your personal life. You don't have to choose one over the other. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and please share it with another EMDR therapist who would benefit from hearing this episode. Each review helps us get the message out about how offering EMDR intensives can liberate your practice. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss a single episode. See you next week.